Hello, my name is Tiffany C. Wright, and I am the author of The Funding is Out There, Access the Cash You Need to Impact Your Business, and you're listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. Act Local, Act local marketing, marketing for Small Business, episode 118. And there's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing, Act Local will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin features a new tip you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. It's episode 118, and I'm the boomer gal, Kaylin Amadio. Every week on Act Local Marketing, I share a strategy with you I call today's takeaway. This is where you get at least one action item that you can walk away with today to implement and grow your business. I also invite a special guest each week to help you with some aspect of your business's growth. Today's guest is a repeat customer, if you will. He has been on the podcast before and we love him here at Act Local. He is an entrepreneur, and business coach who has helped hundreds of people like you and me build more profitable businesses. And he has written another book. And I say that with such emphasis because he he's really, I admire him. He's written a lot of books. And this latest book is awesome. You don't want to miss this interview. Inspiration can be a tricky thing. You've experienced inspiration, that idea that hits you out of nowhere often in the shower, people complain, and it seems to solve the problem that you've been wrestling. In your business, being able to inspire your team can be a challenge. You have to build a culture of inspiration to keep others and yourself, quite frankly, motivated to move forward. It's a fact simply because I just declared it to be a fact, that people who deal with knowledge all day, like uh, managers and entrepreneurs, executives, engineers, and all those others, need inspiration to solve problems, to innovate new ideas and solutions. How do you keep that mindset, the innovation mindset, that helps you build a strong and purposeful business? How do you get your team and others to buy in to that purpose. Let's get to today's takeaway. I promised you an action item that you could take with you now that'll help you grow your business, and here it is. In the summer of 2013, I was speaking with one of my mastermind partners. You may know her from the podcast, Allie Piper, and she explained a practice that she would do with her clients and herself that I co-opted because I loved it so much. So now I want to share it with you. When you look at the goals that you have for your business, whether they are the monthly goals or quarterly goals or for the year, think about the, the bigger overarching picture. Often when you sit down to create goals, you have a, a bigger picture in mind, and that picture can probably be summed up in a statement. And let's call that statement a theme. For example, that summer of 2013, Allie told me this concept and that she had a theme for the summer. She was making a lot of changes to her business at the time, and there was a huge to-do list running uh, to make those changes. And her theme was summed up by the phrase, don't think, just do. Every time she caught herself analyzing, pondering, or simply procrastinating, she repeated her theme and kept pressing forward. I'll tell you, I loved the idea so much that, as I mentioned, I co-opted it 
uh, for myself for that summer. And during those three months of 2013, I wrote the first draft of my book, The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing. This was the third or fourth book that I've started in my life, but the first one I've finished, thanks to the theme, Don't Think, Just Do. It was the perfect mantra for me to tackle what I knew was a big project, and it quieted that nagging voice in my head that was saying to me, you've tried this before but never finished. Why do you think you're, why are you doing this again? What do you think you're doing here? So take a look at your goals for the quarter or the year. Look at that bigger picture and create a theme statement that works for you. Print it out and stick it on a wall. Repeat it to yourself during coffee breaks. In fact, you can lift your hands above your head while taking a big, deep breath and say that theme out loud or in your head every day before you sit down at your desk chair, if you actually sit in a desk chair. You get the picture? Buy into your own dream by making it a little more tangible this way. Apply this technique to your sales staff and other personnel. Before each meeting, take, take everyone through the, the deep breath ritual. Big deep breath in, repeat that theme, and then sit down and start that meeting. They may roll their eyes in front of your face or behind your back, but you'll have the last laugh as you reprogram their brains and make your team more cohesive. It is so much easier to get behind something that has a rally cry, and your theme is just that. So drop me a line to ask at Act Local Marketing, and I'll point you in the right direction if you want more information on how to create uh, a theme to rally around for your next business goal. And that's today's takeaway. So please contact me. Find me on Facebook or Twitter or Google+. You can find me. Uh, Kaylin Amadio is always my handle. And follow me so that I can get to know you better. I will meet you there in the infinite virtual worlds of social media. And please tell your followers about Act Local Marketing. Subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review in iTunes. Those reviews are very important to me. They help me uh, get noticed around the iTunes store. So it's time for a very short break. And when we get back, my guest Jim Palmer is here. And he's stepping to the front of the room. Stay tuned. Tax Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Local fans, this is Kaylin Amadio, and I have an exciting announcement. Today, October 7th, 2014, I'm launching a new podcast to celebrate the realization of a dream. You've heard me speak often on Act Local about the book I've been writing. Well, that book is becoming a reality. I have a contract to publish The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media. Soon, baby boomers everywhere will have all my strategies and guidelines in one swell book that'll help them build a map to social media success. To help promote The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media and subsequent books in this series, I've put together The Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast, where boomers like me and like you can come together to learn, share, and grow a thriving business and a vibrant life. This podcast is 30 minutes in length and comes in both audio and video formats. I interview guest experts on business, finance, health, wellness, longevity, food, sex, dating, and more. You don't want to miss this next chapter in my life because I'm going to help you live yours more fully. Check out Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. So close to you right now. 
Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Hi, this is Kaylin Amadio, and you are listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. And I want to introduce you to today's guest, Jim Palmer. He is a marketing and business building expert and an in-demand coach. He is the founder of the Dream Biz Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is also the host of Newsletter Guru TV, which is a, a hit weekly web TV show that I would love it if you would go check out. It's watched by thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners. And he also happens to be the host of Stick Like Glue Radio. It's a weekly podcast, much like this one, based on Jim's unique brand of smart marketing and business building strategies. He is known internationally as the newsletter guru, and he's the creator of No Hassle Newsletters, which is the ultimate done-for-you newsletter marketing program. It's used by hundreds of his clients in nine different countries. He is also the author of five books, and his sixth book, which I think we're going to talk about today, is called Decide, The Ultimate Success Trigger. And... It's his most important book yet, and I can't wait to find out why. Jim, welcome back to Act Local Marketing. Kaylin, how are you doing? Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. I am terrific, my friend, absolutely terrific. So you, you've been on the program before, and I'll let people go, go look for uh, those interviews to get more of your entrepreneurial journey. But we're, we're here to talk about several things, not the least of which, I'm sure, is your new book. I am so excited yeah. about this book, Kaylin. It's I, I first of all, I wrote it in sixty days just because my time is becoming so short. <laughs> but it's such an important book. And you know, I, my editor actually said, I don't know if you want to say it's your most important or best book because that diminishes your other ones. And I said, well, the, the other ones are very strategic where I'm teaching on a certain subject or a topic, either newsletters, client retention, or mm -hmm. you know different growth strategies. this is a this is a mindset book. And it, what, the way I've um, learned about mindset and, and working with uh, Melanie Benson Strick, my mindset coach and things like that is the, the skill and talent that you have, that's like the machine and your mindset is what drives the machine. So even if you have some amazing skill and talent, if you don't have your head on straight, your entrepreneurial head on straight, you're, only, you're not going to achieve all the success you want. And that's true, not just in business, it's true in absolutely everything. You're so right about that. I mean, if you, it, you know, I, I, doggone, I forget who said it first, but whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. That, <laughs> and that's so, absolutely true. And I've, uh, you know, Suzanne Evans, right? Yes. She she was very uh, fond of, of telling us, her coaching students, that starting a business was some of the best therapy that you were ever going to find yourself going through. It is a tough road to hoe for sure. You know, a lot of in this book, I've one of the reasons it was kind of difficult was, um, you know, I opened up pretty much completely and kind of bare my soul and, and talk about some of the demons that I had about. I mean, there are certain things that every entrepreneur should be doing to help grow their business. And admittedly, there are some things that I did not want to do. They scared the heck out of me. And I was going to, I was bound and determined, Kaylin, to be successful without doing them until I had my, at least one of my dozen 3 a.m. holy crap moments. You know, when, <laughs> when I describe those as when you're laying in bed with your eyes open and you're just laying there in the dark going, oh my, how am I going to make payroll? When am I going to pay myself? Why am I working so hard scraping by? And, and you know, there's a time in, in the life of every entrepreneur where you have to get very real with yourself and, and admit that you are the impediment to your growth because I guarantee no matter how much success you have, there's something else you should be doing. You kind of know it. You've tucked it away. You've kinda, you want to kind of take a detour around this, this roadblock, which you've actually put up for yourself. Yes, absolutely. You know, everyone's got those little voices 
in their head, um, whether it's about their business or not. But we've all got the little the little voices in our head that are, you know, naysaying. You know, they're talking to us. I think you call them head trash. The, yeah, maybe? head yeah, head talk trash. To me about that. Yeah, there's a big chapter on head trash. And, you know, head trash is all the thoughts and, and things that are floating around in your head that are really, um, and while well, the reason they're called head trash is because it, they're, they're usually very self-limiting thoughts and they're things that are holding you back. I, I think your mind, especially your subconscious mind, is, is like a record, the old LPs that we used to have, right? And um, it, it's just cutting a groove constantly in this record and it's recording everything from birth that you've seen, heard, been taught, been told, that you felt, watched, listened to, whatever. It's all going in there. And so when you're trying to do something, and I mean, building a business is hard work. I mean, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of risk. I find a lot of people are risk averse. And part of that is because you may have been told things all throughout your life. Oh, don't do that. Don't do it. Just put your money in the savings account. You know, don't put it in the stock market or heaven forbid, don't go to the casino. And so there's so many things. And uh, the head trash, I liken it to the kitchen trash. If you let it fester and sit there long enough, it's going to stink up the joint. And so I actually share share some of the some of the head trash that I had. For example, one of the things that I knew that I needed to be doing to really um, increase my level of success was to become a speaker. And truth be told, is for all the way from grade school, man, I was scared to death of speaking in front of people. And in high school, I, I would have rather taken an F and skipped class when it was my turn to to read to the to the class. But you know, in your career, you don't you you don't have that option. And I did face that, you know, before I started my business. But then once I had my own business, guess what? I was in charge. Nobody had to tell me to go speak. If I didn't want to go speak, I wasn't going to go speak. But yet. Becoming a speaker is one of the most powerful things you can do. So I learned to get over that. And I even talk in the book about all the different things I did to um, to take out the trash on, on being a speaker. Right. Uh, being a speaker is is a very powerful tactic. And I'm I've never been the kind of person that, um, you know, that was not one of my fears, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Everyone's got their own fears. Speaking in public wasn't one of mine, but I have other fears that I'm sure you probably don't have head trash about and wouldn't it be interesting to get an inside view of some of the what what someone would view as the most successful people on the planet and if you had an idea of what their head trash was and realize that it really does happen to everybody well the fun thing about this book is um you know my my great friend and mindset coach melanie benson strick contributed a great deal of her work to the book and then i also interviewed eight people eight fairly successful entrepreneurs that are in my coaching program and we tackled a lot of these different issues from head trash to you know being authentic and how to be immune to criticism and all these different things so i i talk about what i went through melanie shares her opinions and then we kind of share some of what other people and that's one of the cool things when you're in these groups or even i think you're going to feel like you're in this group when you're reading this book because you're learning first of all okay i'm not alone other people are either there or working through it, and I should be able to do that too. And that's so important. I happen to belong to a BNI. You know what BNI yep. is, right? And a woman was interested in visiting our meeting, and she called me to ask me about it. And as I was speaking to her, she she was a new business owner. She's you know an entrepreneur. She's a business owner for the first time. And she was talking about some of the trials and tribulations, you know, she was having. And I said, well, yeah, all, all business owners go through that. And she paused for a moment and said, I, I thought I was the only one. And, and it's just so indicative of how business owners feel. They think that they are the only one that's ever gone through this problem. And it's not true. The, every entrepreneur <laughs> has suffered through many of these same problems. You know, I, the, I'm glad to hear that you have interviews from absolutely from, from people, so because you're going to be able to see the similarities of that. Yeah, you know, Kaylin, in the early '90s, I was in uh, the franchise business, and I remember going on the annual franchise retreat. We pull a bunch of franchisees from around the country together and bring in a speaker and stuff. But some of the most powerful conversations happened around the pool or wherever we were. We, all, by the way, we always seem to go to a warm place in February. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, some of the most powerful conversations that I was either part of or some that I actually kind of 
overheard, if you will, was some of the franchisees going, oh, well, I, I didn't know you went through that too. Or, and then somebody would say, oh, I'm glad I don't have that as bad as you do, but I've got this one. You know, Everybody's sharing. It just, again, it, it, first of all, it helps build community. It helps make you feel like you're not on this island by yourself. But it also, you know, you can learn how other people have dealt with it or, or are dealing with it. Yeah, and, and it's always a good example to help you get through your own uh, trash, I guess I guess is a, a really good word for it. Now, I know another chapter in your in your book is about um, perfectionism, I guess I'll call it. Yes. Yeah? Perfectionism, or perfection is the enemy of progress. And, you know, what's interesting is that so many entrepreneurs uh, come to, you know, becoming an entrepreneur by way of either a corporate background or having a job of some sort. I mean, not too many. I mean, there are some, but not too many people become an entrepreneur right out of high school or whatever. And, you know, in the corporate world, you know, you've got to have things perfect. I mean, there's probably a whole room full of proofreaders and committees that need to sign off on everything. And then when you get to be an entrepreneur, it's just you, right? And so what holds a lot of people back is is in the the early days, it's like, well, I can't launch that website. I'm not going to launch this brochure. I'm not going to do this or that because it's I don't know if it's ready to go and you know it's kind of paralysis by analysis because you're constantly looking at it and you know that happened to me in a couple ways a couple stories I share is when in 2007 uh, when I launched my second business no hassle newsletters I was getting ready to exhibit at a, at a trade show and my website needed to be done and launched because that's one of the reasons I was going there so we were working back and forth with the guy that was helping me, but then I had to get on a plane and go to this event. And after the first day of uh, exhibiting, I got up to the room and gosh, I was so tired, you know, standing in a booth all day. And and I sat on the bed and I opened my laptop and I'm looking at my website and I'm going, oh, holy crap. Oh my goodness. Look, you know, spelling errors and grammar. and That didn't make sense. So I opened up a Word document and I started making these edits and I was just going to email it to him and say, hey, make these changes when you can. Now, the next thing that happened, Kaylin, is I uh, then opened my email and I had seven orders from that website. Mm. And that was a huge moment for me because, yes, I'm going to improve it. I want it to be good. But, you know, you can actually make money without being perfect. You know what I mean? So the other the other the way I kind of help myself with that today is, um, you know, I think, you know, I'm known as somebody who puts out a ton of content. I mean, between videos, podcasts, newsletters, social media articles, I put out a ton of stuff every single week. And the only way that I do that is that I've become comfortable with the fact that the emphasis is on the content that I'm sharing. I'm providing a lot of value. I'm providing a lot of information. And I think that when you do that, I think 99% of the people are going to appreciate the content and the information you share, and they're not going to hold you, you know, put you against the firing squad wall for a a misspelling or or missing comma. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the people who harp on the comma, right, the people who are are quick to point out that uh, you're not perfect are the people who are probably suffering from perfectionism themselves. Well, that, and here's the second point. They're taking the time to write to you and berate you because they don't have a lot going on anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, with the advent of the internet, you know, anyone can be a publisher. You can, it's easy to have a blog. So I go around the interwebs and I'm reading things all the time that interest me. And, and of course you run across, you know, misspellings or, sentences that aren't perfect or sometimes you go hmm, what did they mean by that oh here's what i thought they meant but we give people a lot of leeway because we're you're not hunting down information because you're looking to be critical towards someone you're looking for information because it's it's going to help you at that moment in time or you're interested in it and you know we cut each other a lot of slack i think so worrying yeah. about being perfect is is a waste of time I actually, um, you know, in this chapter, I'm pretty sure I ended this chapter with by saying, you know, by the way, this book you're reading right now, if you haven't found one yet, I can guarantee you're going to come across a mistake. I never went to I never went to school for writing or journalism and things like that. I had no intention of being a writer and an author. I, I was kind of encouraged to start writing books and and, you know, people seem to like them, that they help them. And guess what? They help my business, too. So that's the track I go on, yeah. you know, in my very first book, kind of a funny story. Um, 
I was so proud of my first book in 2009 was The Magic of Newsletter Marketing. So I was showing it to everybody. And and then uh, a friend of mine read it and he says, I think this is really good, some good information, but I don't know if you want to know this or care, but you know, there's some, there's a number of kind of grammar thing issues. And he said, I even saw a dangling participle or two. <laughs> and I said, well, first of all, I have heard the term. I have no clue what it means, right. but I'm getting clients out of the book, so I'm good with that. <laughs> exactly. And that's what editors are for, right? You that's hire right. an editor, editor and let them find all of your dangling participles and <laughs> fix them for you, right? Yep. So that you don't have to. Now, um, earlier you mentioned something about being authentic, you know, figuring out who your authentic self is. Can you describe what you mean by that? Yep. And this is so important, especially in this day and age, because with social media and just that, I mean, we live in an ever connected planet. And um, <clears throat> so when you're, uh, when you, when you choose to be your authentic self, I think it gain, you gain an enormous amount of power and freedom. It's the power and freedom that comes with simply being who you are and being comfortable with who you are. I think a lot of entrepreneurs and, and you know, small business owners kind of have this persona, their business persona. And, you know, if you think of the old days, maybe back in the uh, Leave it to Beaver days, you know, Ward wore a suit and a hat and he went off to work. But then when he came home, he put on, you know, his casual slacks. There was kind of two different personas, if you will. Now, today as an entrepreneur, it's very easy for people who used to only see you in your, um, your, your nine to five position, if you will. Now they see you all the time. And so one of my points is that people are making judgments about you, especially if they're checking out Facebook and seeing things that you post. I mean, it's so easy to figure out who somebody is now. So there's no more personal brand and professional brand. And the truth is, you know, as an entrepreneur, it, when you are comfortable with who you are and what you have to offer and, and just the way you conduct yourself and present yourself, you're actually going to attract more people that resonate with you. And those are the people you should do business with. And the, the flip side of that, Kaylin, is that you're going to actually repel some people that aren't meant to do business with you. And that's good, too, because we're not meant to do business with everybody. I'll, I'll just give you a quick example I wrote about in the book. This is kind of a, a under the parenting theme. So let's say that you uh, let's say you're 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 a new you're new parents and and you want to hire a nanny and you do some interviews. You meet people. You got it whittled down to like two people. Good resumes. They present themselves well, and then they leave your home after the face-to-face in, in, -face interview. And then you go look on their Facebook and you see pictures of drinking parties and things like that. Now. It's not right to judge, and technically they're in their off hours, but I'm telling you, if I was a parent, my kids are all grown, but if I was still in that mode, I would think twice about hiring that person, right? Mm -hmm. And so the same thing happens as an entrepreneur, when, especially when I see people sharing so much of their personal life. And um, I mean, when I say be authentic, there's a line, you know, <clears throat> you don't talk about all your medical issues. And, and I, I also liken it to what, what, as far as what you share and what you don't share, I like the adage that cab drivers used to be under, you don't talk about sex, politics, or religion. Mm -hmm. And so you see people I don't know. Sometimes they think because I have a Facebook page, that's my place where I can just bear my soul. So, oh, this is what I think of the president or this is what I think of this, these taxes. This is what I think of whatever the hot button issue is. And what happens is, you know, you start getting people. And if you're if you're very popular and well connected, you know, you could have a 45 or 50 comments back and forth. Half the people on one side, half the people on the other. Now, while that may be your authentic thoughts, what I'm telling you is if that's the kind of stuff you're putting into social media, you're going to be turning off half the people that could potentially be customers. Do you know what I mean? So yes, you got to be really careful. It's it's not a place. What I share, so what if you were, to, well, what do you share, Jim? What I share are things that will help people get to know who I am as an entrepreneur and as a person to a limit. So I post, you know, marketing tips, success tips. I post funny pictures of crazy signs you see in stores or I, you know, cause I, I kind of like, I and like those crack me up by the way. I love seeing those. On <laughs> I know. Facebook. They're so Some, funny. Somebody told me the other day, I want to repost those, but I know you did them. I said, first of all, I don't do them. I find them and I post them. So, so post away, but you know, I like to laugh. I like to share good information. I like people to know about my grandson and my dog and my boat and certain things, but there's a line there. I mean, 
there's so much going on in our world today. I could just go on. And sometimes I feel like screaming when I see things going on in the news. And But that's not my place. And by the way, that's not why people are connected with me. So the real the real head-slapping moment, when you, think, when you think it's okay to post something like that, I want you to ask yourself, are people going to feel good that I posted that? Are they going to have a warm feeling? Are they going to, is that going to help them decide to do business with me? Or is, you know, it's kind of a red light, green light formula, if you will. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good way to, to think of it. Is this, is this going to make somebody's day, you know, yep. that I'm posting this or not? And, and I always tell people, unless politics or religion is your business, you know, if, if it is, then you have every right and probably should be commenting on it. But if it's not your business, then it's best to, to you know, back off and keep your opinions about uh, what can be very divisive subjects to to yourself. You know, that oh, can exactly. be between you and your friends over dinner, you know, on, on Saturday night. But the whole world doesn't have to know. It just adds to the the noise going out there and plus people find it extremely easy to be viciously negative on social media i don't know why they feel it's okay to be vicious in writing on social media when they wouldn't say something like that to someone's face well that's the answer because they're not face to face you know in a way it's kind of a gutless move but you know one of the one of the things i've i've the kind of i trained my brain is and this is kind of harsh on myself if i want to post something like oh i can't even believe that who the hell cares what jim palmer thinks about that anyway i mean in reality everybody's got their own views and opinions and the only thing i want people to know about me is you know how i can help them grow their business yeah you have to remember that that all of this stuff that we have online really are just tools for building your business. So look at them that way, uh, and then that'll help you make some better decisions probably. And, you, and everyone should have their own probably, um, I guess, a personal policy about how they use online media where, where you can easily share your words with other people. Have a personal policy of, of what you allow and what you don't allow and then stick to it. Exactly. Yeah, don't let don't let your emotions uh, change that for you. Listen, Jim, I want to take a quick break, but I have a few more questions for you. So can you hold on for a moment? Absolutely. Okay, good. You're listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business with my special guest today, Jim Palmer. I have more questions for him about his new book, Decide the ultimate success trigger. So you can Tax Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Once there was a smart baby boomer that loved her business. She knew that to grow it, she would need marketing. So she went for a search on the internet and came across all sorts of social media. She went on all the sites and opened accounts, but after starting profiles on all of them, she began to feel overwhelmed. To do all the marketing experts told her to do was just too big a task. She needed a change. Because she was a smart entrepreneur, she chose two of the popular social media sites to market her business. But after months and months, it didn't seem to make any difference. And she saw other savvy business owners using different sites here and blogging over there. When suddenly, she noticed more clever baby boomers going to iKalen.com and leaving so happy, she just had to see for herself. iKalen.com helped her make a marketing plan to grow her business that wasn't too big and wasn't too little. It was just right. So close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. 
And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Hey now, this is Kaylin Amadio, and you're listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business with my guest today, returning guest, I should say, Jim Palmer. He is an author. He is the founder of Dream Biz Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. He's on a hit weekly web TV show. He's got his own podcast, Stick Like Glue Radio. This guy is putting out content right and left that's going to help you build your business. And his latest endeavor, which he says might be his most important book yet, is his sixth decide the ultimate success trigger and he's been sharing some of uh, some of the golden nuggets out of that book with us today so i thank you for that jim my pleasure so you had mentioned earlier uh criticism how can i manufacture myself a, a teflon suit so that that doesn't bother me yeah, it's called immunity to criticism. And here's the thing. Everybody has opinions and everybody wants to share. And it, kind of one of the sad parts about our culture lately is people love to tear other people down. And um, if you want to be successful, you simply cannot need the constant approval from others. Having other people just like and adore you and, and shower you with praise is not necessary <laughs> to growing a business. And you need to develop a thick skin. You know, success and failure are, are not diametrically opposed. I mean, they, they cross paths constantly, go back and forth. And I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, kind of a fear of success. And, and there's also fear of failure. But here's the thing. Kalen, you're not going to get criticized unless you're doing something. And the only people building successful businesses are those that are putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's an expression, the higher up the flagpole you go, the more your butt's going to hang out. But it's okay. <laughs> the, <laughs> the view's better up there. And um, the thing is, you know, we were talking earlier about the book, and I, I readily shared, I know for a fact, now my editor and I together have read this book no less than at least 30 times. Yeah. But I'm I'm pushing the go button. Actually, as you know, the, on the day we're recording this, it's going to press, which is kind of exciting. But I'm actually doing that knowing full well we did not catch everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm banking on the fact that the quality of the information and the content is going to override the occasional, oops, missing yeah. a period there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, But here's the thing. And I know for a fact, because it's happened with all five of my previous books, I will start getting emails. Oh, Jim, I just thought you'd like to know on page 134, you did this. Or you should have put S-O-N instead of S-U-N or, you know, something worked. Yeah. You know. Your participle is dangling. Yeah, your dangling participle, Jim. <laughs> I told you about that five years ago. Um, so stuff like that's going to happen. <clears throat> the reason I bring this up as a topic, because it's important, it, it goes back to head trash. If enough people uh, will say things about you and you have very thin skin, it's going to cause you to react and possibly retract and, and just stop doing less stuff. So this need to be liked and approved all the time. Now, highly successful people do not have this need. Yeah. It's not that they're rude. It's just that the opinion of others is far less important than the opinion of the people who are paying them money. Mm -hmm. And so there's one other thing I'll say about this. You also, to, to help lessen this, um, this whole head trash issue, is you only want to seek the opinions of people who have earned the right to give you an opinion. So let's say... Let's say you're doing some direct response marketing, which tends to, you know, maybe have some flashy headlines, some pictures that are going to grab attention. It's not your typical warm, fuzzy, you know, brand building stuff that, you know, Coors or right. Pepsi would do. And so if you were to show that to somebody, just a neighbor or friend who happened to walk over, hey, what do you look at this? He goes, oh, that's kind of ugly. I don't like that. God, that looks like it should be in Star Magazine or something. All of a sudden, you could almost hear your the pin deflating, which is your ego, and you're going, oh, no. But in reality, that person, and while they may be trained in whatever it is they do, they probably are not trained in direct response marketing. So you want to be careful of who you get your opinions from. And finally, I'll say this. I have trained myself to use a two-stage filter when I hear criticism. The first thing I do is I ask myself if the critic is an expert about which he or she is sharing their opinion. And the second thing is, does their opinion really carry any weight with me do you know what i mean if it's mm -hmm. just somebody in the mm -hmm. corner that's constantly throwing darts it means absolutely nothing to me 
But if it is a paying customer and said, Jim, just wanted you to know that last newsletter template you did or something like that, not as good as the previous ones, I will listen to that. Because right. that's that's a paying customer who's telling me, oops, we better you know tighten the ship or whatever. So you want to run it through this filter. Do they have do they have the credentials to even offer their opinion on that subject? And are they someone who's earned the right to give you that opinion? True. And you you know that you have uh, your skin has gotten thick enough when you can stop after you know hearing some criticism, and without emotion, look at it and say, hmm, do they have a point? Yes or no, and and not take it from an emotional point of view, but from a hmm, is this valid criticism or is this, you know, use your other filters. Is this criticism coming because uh, of who they are and the way they see the world, as opposed to what who I really am and what I'm really doing? And yeah. you, you'll know that that you've your skin is thick enough when you can reach that point. You know, as an internet marketer, there are times when, I mean, I put out a lot of stuff regularly, but then there's, you know, three or four or five times a year when I'm promoting something, like I'll be promoting the book. And so I will be emailing my list quite frequently, right? And then there's some people and everybody opts on the list. I don't put any names on there unless they do it first. So, but there's people that all of a sudden they're going to go, hey, stop. Or they just unsubscribe, which is fine. But occasionally you get the people who who hit the reply button and then in all caps, maybe a big font, they're, you know, I've had this, idiot, stop spamming me. And I mean, they really take you to task. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the first time it happens, I remember the first time it happened, it's very unsettling. It's like, oh my God, what have I done? And the truth of the matter is it's called self-cleansing your list. Those people are not your customers. So just delete it and water off a duck's back. Right. Yeah. Delete it and move on. So I know another chapter in your book uh, has to do with probably choosing whether and when to delegate or whether or not you actually want your enterprise to grow. Yeah, I call it delegate or die, I think, in the book. <laughs> and, you know, so here's the thing. When we start our, our journey as entrepreneurs, we are bootstrapping. Some of us have a spare bedroom. I started my business at the dining room table. And um, so we're starting small. And what we do is we bring the skill or talent that we have. That's how we're going to um, create our business offering. So if I was, my, my skill was writing, designing newsletters. Somebody else might be a plumber or an electrician or copywriter, website designer, doesn't matter. <clears throat> That's the skill or talent you bring to the table. And in the early lean years, we all wear many hats. Yeah. So I do the, I do the kind of the, the core offering, but guess what? I've also got to be the bookkeeper, the HR person. I got to be customer service, the delivery man and the janitor and everything else in between. There's a point where you start growing, your business starts getting momentum, more and more customers are using you. And then there's a point where things are not getting done. And because you're, you're spread so thin, <clears throat> the old expression is, well, I'm not going to get any help because nobody can do it as, as good or as fast or, or as inexpensively as I can is a business killer because what you need to be focusing on especially as you get to that critical juncture of, of creating momentum you got to start releasing and letting go of all these responsibilities get people that can do things for you that frees you up to spend more time on what i refer to as high revenue generating activities those are things that are really making you money to, to kind of paint the picture of this, I tell people, if you want to earn a million dollars this year, you have to be doing work that's worth $400 an hour, assuming you're going to work 50 weeks a year and 50 hours a week. So $400 an hour grosses a million dollars. <throat> but if you're doing things in your business, like, you know, going to the post office or, you know, putting stamps and everything, shoving envelopes here and there, or whatever these things are that you could actually hire somebody for, whether it's an employee or a virtual assistant for anywhere from 10 to $50 an hour, doesn't matter. If somebody can do that for you and that frees you up to do more of what your high level, high generating uh, revenue activity is, that's how you're going to grow. So too many people, they refuse to get help and they refuse to let go. And they're just, they're just constantly tied to their computer or their desk, whatever they're doing. Right. And, and if they insist on maintaining that type of business style, then they're also going to have to accept the fact that uh, the size of their business is going to be limited by how many hours they're capable of working. That's right, because if you're doing it all, there's only so many hours to get things done. Now, 
this this is a really hard this is a really hard thing for for new entrepreneurs to get. So I want to share with you that it always feels like you're putting the cart before the horse. It always feels like that because you know you're watching your budget and your pennies. You're trying to operate a lean, mean machine, but it so it all you never know if you're ready. And so well, how do you know if you're ready? I say this. It's, it's like if you're outside working in the yard or maybe out for a jog. If you feel thirsty, you should have been drinking already. Mm. And so if your business is starting to feel thirsty, like there's just not enough of your time, you know, you know you should have posted to your blog last week and you didn't, that you go, well, that's not a business killer, but that got to, not done. Something else didn't get done. You didn't make any sales calls this week. All you did is work on current projects. Those are all very, very dangerous signs, and it means your business is very thirsty, and you need to get help. Ooh, you're making me think now. Uh, oh, that was a I'm, big juicy nugget, yeah, right? Yeah, that really was because I'm starting to see I'm a little thirsty. There you I gotta, are. I got to think some things over. Thank you for that. Very interesting. You know what's interesting about that is that the the revenue will come later, and that's why it's so hard for people to jump. Yeah. But I, I, what I want to do is take you back to when you started your business. There was no revenue when you started. So in a way, whether you put out a couple dollars or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, whatever it is, you did put money out initially to start your business, and then you had to wait for money to come back in. Right. It's the same thing. If you put some money out. By the way, we don't even have to be talking about an enormous amount of money. Let's say you're going to bring on somebody even at $15 an hour for 10 hours a week. That's $150 a right, week. Right. But you know, So it's not a huge sum of money, but I guarantee those 15 hours or 10 hours, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, if you all of a sudden had 10 more hours in a week, could you imagine what you as the entrepreneur can get done? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. And I'm still, you, you still got me thinking. I'm, I'm, I've got a mental checklist going on now. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So um, I know you also write about the imposter syndrome. And I think this is, this is something that in the head trash yep. uh, happens to every entrepreneur. I don't think I've ever spoken to an entrepreneur that hasn't had this little voice uh, that you're calling the imposter syndrome. I'm assuming I, I kind of know what you're talking about. Why don't you you tell us in your words? Yeah, the imposter syndrome is when people feel like they're going to be found out. Yeah. You know? So you start having some success. And a lot of this comes from uh, there is head trash, things that even before you started your business are going to cause your mind to play games with you. But even after you start your business, like I started, as I said, in my dining room, now, I take my nice business cards, my brochure, I put on my nice suit, and I would go out and call on clients. And, you know, <clears throat> not many people ask me how long I've been in business. The common question at that point was, how long have you been doing newsletters? So I was able to say, I've been doing newsletters for over 20 years because I'd done them for everywhere that I had a job, right? right. And so one thing I tell people is, I, I do not believe in lying. I, I don't think you should em embellish, but you, you want to present the information that puts you in a positive light. Now, if kind of the imposter syndrome, that voice in your head goes, oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't ask me if I'm sitting at my dining room table and that's really my corporate headquarters. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what you're thinking about, right, right? right? And then as you start to get some success, you feel, well, do do I actually deserve this success? Am I just being lucky? What if it all goes away next week or tomorrow? And so there's a lot of things that you have to be comfortable with. And by the way, there are things that you could do. Occasionally, one of the questions I got, because I always met prospects either at their office or at a restaurant for breakfast or lunch. And so occasionally it would come up, where is your office? And I would say, oh, I'm in Eagle, Pennsylvania. Oh, are you in the Eagle View Corporate Center? No, I'm about two miles from there. That usually ended it. But then if someone happened to press a third time, well, where exactly are you? I said, I have a home office. I'm off of uh, Township Line Road. And people, and, and instead of me inside, you know, the insecure imposter fraud guy was thinking, oh, no, he's going to think you're not worthy of my business, you home office dude. Mm -hmm. You know, he would say, oh, you're so lucky. I wish I had a home office. I wouldn't have to deal with the traffic on Route 202, right. you know. And um, so it just, it, you know what it really boils down to, Kaylin? It's the whole confidence issue. It's the self-confidence. There's an expression, fake it till you make it. 
I like that expression, but you have to put it in perspective. Fake it till you make it in your own mind. You know, always use positive affirmations. Tell yourself the value you're delivering. Don't fake it in terms of saying something that's not true because I just don't believe in that. But you, you just, if you're, if you're delivering value to somebody, if what you're offering as a product or service is really improving lives, making things better, and you're handsomely rewarded for it, I mean, what difference does it make to that company if you are at your in a spare bedroom, dining room table, or whether you're paying $5,000 a month rent for an office you, you might not need, you know? Yes. And uh, don't underestimate all of your skills, regardless of where you got them, right? Project management, management in general. I mean, e even the stay-at-home mom who's been raising her kids for the last 10 years is a project manager. You Absolutely. Know what I, you know what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah. And I think sometimes... Uh, especially among women, if they haven't been out in the workforce for a long time and they, they find themselves entrepreneurs trying to start a business, they definitely feel like imposters because they haven't been out there earning a paycheck from someone else. But you have a lot of skills that are transferable, whether they're uh, business or life skills, especially as you get older, uh, that, that you can really, if you look at them the right way, uh, there's no reason to feel like you are an imposter. You really do have the skill set. And here's here's one more thing. And, and I actually write, there's so many disclaimers I put in the book. When I was talking about money, I said, by the way, I have zero financial training. <laughs> but I, I say, listen, I never went to school for psychology. This is only my opinion. But, you know, you as an entrepreneur and as a person, you're the only one who can define what success means to you. And you don't want to use other people's uh, measurements. So if somebody, you know, there could be somebody who says, oh, I only work 10 hours a week and, you know, I got all this and that and the other thing. That's their measure of success. A lot of people start a business saying, I just want to get some time freedom, a little bit of financial freedom. I want to be able to do things when I want. If that's your definition of success, then embrace it. And when, because chances are you're going to get there. But what happens is a lot of people, when they get there, they just feel like I need to keep the pedal to the metal and keep going and keep growing. You need to be comfortable with what your goals are and, and, and keep working toward those. And don't compare yourself to what other people are doing. That, that's a great point. I think far too often that's exactly what people do. They look at, at someone else's success and say, okay, there's the bar and I haven't made it yet, so therefore I must not be successful. And you're absolutely right. It's a good idea to decide on your own what success looks like, and that's where your bar is. Excellent, excellent point. Can I share something with you? So sure, sure. you know this because I know we, we stay in touch and social media and whatnot, but last year um, I scratched a 34-year-old itch and I finally bought my boat. I've wanted a boat my whole life. Right. And, um, you know, I needed um, one of the coaches that I work with to point out to me that, Jim, you said a few years ago when you get to this point, you're going to get your boat. Well, you've passed that point. You still don't have your boat. In my head, I'm like, I'm just not sure I'm ready yet. And he actually, he kind of made it okay for me to go get my boat. So that was step one. But step two was, you know, I have the kind of business where most of the phone calls that I do are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I usually don't book calls on Monday and Friday. I've been doing that for years. It's a great way to be productive and, and not be interrupted. But having said that, so when I got my boat, and it's about an hour and 10 minutes from my house, not real far, but there were certain Certain Mondays, it's like gorgeous outside. I have no calls. I mean, there are things I could do, but again, I'm like, you should be down on your boat enjoying life, you know? And I found it, I found it myself feeling a little guilty about that. Mm. And so it's like, there's, I mean, we, in that little story, there, God, there's head trash, imposter syndrome, identifying what you think success, all kinds of stuff wrapped up in there. But I share that story because it's really important to understand and, and set some benchmarks so you know when you get there that you've reached them. Otherwise, we just, we're going to work ourselves to death. Oh, that's a good point, too. Setting benchmarks, and then when you get there, enjoy the reward. Exactly. You promised yourself you were going to get because you're right. We will just we'll work. We'll blow right through it and just keep working as we keep moving the goalpost. And that's not a fair way to play the game. It's not. And it, trust me, when this when this weather finally breaks and I get my boat back in the water, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the heck out so of it. So <laughs> all, all the pictures I see from you on Facebook are going to be from the boat. I can that's tell right. already they're going to be from the boat. So I have one last question for you, and I think this is a great uh, concept to, to leave people with. 
And I also want you to share with them uh, where they can find you and where they're going to be able to get the book. Okay. But but this last question is is about, I know you say that wealth rewards risk and speed. Yes. So can you talk about that for people? So one thing for sure is there's a difference between sales, which is income or revenue, and wealth. So sales, income, revenue, that's kind of a measure of the value you're bringing in in exchange for certain dollars. Wealth is what you've saved or, you know, taken after all that. So for example, if let's say you gross a million dollars, you have, you know, half a million dollars in expenses. So you've netted half a million. If you were to invest that and just put it away, I mean, that's, that's wealth. That's wealth in the form of savings or maybe invest in property. Wealth is what's going to give you financial freedom. Sales won't. So you need to grow a business in order to create wealth, but it's a kind of a subtle mindset shift. People need to think about how can I create wealth for myself on the back of my business? So that first of all, recognize that. The second thing is, People that invest and people that invest in their business do so usually at, at a risk. So let's say you want to join a mastermind group or you want to go exhibit at a conference or you want to expand or do what, you know, maybe have a second location. That's risky, right? Mm -hmm. the, the people who do that are risking. Those people, assuming they do it correctly, should and deserve to be handsomely rewarded to a tune that's probably larger than somebody who's only going to reinvest the profits. So I'm only going to grow my business. I'm going to put in this little nest egg of $1,000. And as I grow my business, I'll reinvest the profits, but I'm never going to borrow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, that, that wasn't my journey. I mean, first of all, I started because of my whole journey with cancer and unemployment. I was broke when I started. But there were points, if six years into my business, I had an opportunity to exhibit at a, at a major marketing show with about a thousand entrepreneurs who were pretty much all target customers of mine, but the cash flow of the business could not afford it. It was about a $7,000, like 5,000 for the booth space plus airfare travel. I had to make some kind of a display. So it was about $7,000. And ultimately here's, this was my thought process. So here's what I shared with you earlier about, I am not, you know, I'm not Susie Orman. So don't, this is, this is only Jim Palmer's <laughs> financial advice. Um, what I decided, and I know this to be true. I could, I could not save my way out of the debt I had. I had to grow my way out of the debt. I'm a very impatient person. So I wanted to grow fast and not slow. And I recognize that if I did invest that money and I really do a good job, I could, get that money back plus some. Now, as it turned out, I got about 30 new clients. I didn't I didn't come home with like 7,000, but I got 30 new clients that stayed with me over several months. And eventually, you know, I, I got that money back and then some, but it's a risk. And so what I talk about in the book is I liken it to, there's three levels of risk. And the, the way I see it, there's like the low risk, medium risk, and high risk. You could call it having a savings account where you earn a paltry half of 1%, very secure. Mm -hmm. The next thing is if I put money in the stock market, it's got more risk. There's usually a higher reward. You could get five, six, seven percent these days, I guess, without trying too hard. But there's also risky. If something goes completely haywire, you could lose the principal, which you don't do with a savings account. And then the third stage would be if you went to a casino and you know put five thousand dollars <laughs> on the craps table. Yeah. If you hit. You hit big, but it's much easier to lose. So it's always a risk-reward thing. And what I tell people is if you really believe what you're offering is has value, if you believe you're, you're, you were created for greatness and you want to be successful, then you have to risk. It's the very nature of being an entrepreneur. The entrepreneurs who refuse to risk and refuse to invest in themselves, they're the ones that just stagger along and, and you know work crazy hours and, and barely eke out a living. Yeah, yeah. I cannot wait to read this book. Thank you. Decide the ultimate success trigger. Where can people get more of you? The main website is getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. Um, the book is coming out Monday, March the 9th, and the website is called decideforsuccessbook.com, decideforsuccessbook.com. As you and I are recording this, it's not even up yet, so we are moving like at the speed of light here. But um, it, the, the short website, if anybody's in their car, just go to getjimpalmer.com, and we'll point you in the right direction. And I'm sure you have a sign-up list, so if people opt into your list, you'll let them know when, 
Absolutely. And this is also the first book that I have an audio version of. I got that done last week, and oh. I recorded the whole thing start to finish. Oh, good. And the cool thing about the audio book is I didn't just read the written word, although I would say 80% of the time I did, but then I would find myself sharing and embellishing a little bit more, <laughs> putting in a little more story, so it's kind of fun. Oh, well, you'll have to have some of that transcribed so you can add it to uh, the updated version. There you go. <laughs> version 2. So, Jim Palmer, newsletter guru, thank you so much for, for stopping by Act Local Marketing. Kaylin, it's been my pleasure and honor as usual, and i um, happy to come back anytime. Oh, thank you so much. I'm always grateful when uh, wonderful guests like you can, can make time for the audience and, and teach us many, many more wonderful things. I love extracting the gold nuggets, and my head is still thinking about that one. <laughs> I'm going to be checking up on you. I want to see you announce you got this new assistant working with you yeah, now. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So listen out there. You've been listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business when I bring great guests like Jim Palmer to the floor to uh, teach you a few new things about moving your business one step further into prosperity. And, you know, we release a new episode every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern. So until next time, I very much would like you to take care. Join Kaylin for more marketing madness each week on Act Local Marketing. It will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Act Local Marketing for Small Business goes live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at actlocalmarketing.com. Have a question for Act Local? Email Kaylin at ask at actlocalmarketing.com. That's A-S-K at actlocalmarketing.com. And she may answer you right on air. Make sure to include your name and business website for a free shout out. Don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about Act Local and leave Kaylin a review at the iTunes store. See you next time on Act Local Marketing for Small Business.